The City Quick Connect podcast is brought to you by the Municipal Association of South Carolina. Hey everybody, it's Casey Fields, your manager for municipal advocacy at the Municipal Association of South Carolina, and welcome to this week's edition of City Quick Connect podcast, legislative edition. Scott, welcome back. Well, thank you. It's great to be back. Casey, we've been off for a while. You say this week's, but, well, I guess it is this week's. It's but this week's podcast. It's this week's podcast, but we're not doing it on the regular like I we know, should. I know. We really should. You know I'm pushing for that. Yes, I know. You know I want a weekly. Mr. Producer, she Like wants I do it from, like we do it from January to May, I want a weekly year she round. She wants a weekly year round, like a whole separate show. <laughs> I'm going to have to talk to the brass. Yeah. <laughs> see what I can talk, come up talk with. Talk to the brass and see what they say. Um, Scott, we have a very, very special show today that I'm very excited about because we have our friends from the South Carolina Policy Council, Dallas Woodhouse, Executive Director, and Bryce Fiddler, the Senior Policy Advisor. And we are going to talk about a very important subject for all South Carolinians today. A timely subject. Very. Uh, It's been in the paper a lot, and that is the issue of short-term rentals and uh, how cities and towns across the state are uh, grappling with them, working with them, and uh, looking to make everybody happy. Dallas, Bryce, thanks for being here. We really appreciate it. Thank you. You yeah. guys, I know you guys just recently pushed out a piece uh, of research and some uh, some policy positions on short-term rentals. And after reading that, uh, we started exchanging some some uh, messages by way of Twitter. And I was like, you know what? This is not the way to have a discussion between uh, us. And so I wanted to make sure that we got you guys here in the studio and, and talk about what y'all have, uh, what y'all found and some of the recommendations that you're making with regard to short-term rentals. So welcome and, uh, and talk to us about what, you, uh, what you're working on. Well, Scott and Casey, thank you uh, so much. Appreciate your um, inviting us here. And a couple of things I want to say. I want to thank y'all for the work you do. You know, there's uh, 270 some municipalities in in South Carolina. Most of them are, are run very strong, very fiscally responsible. Do a good job of policing and taking up the trash and and, and difficult zoning issues. Yep. And you know, government that is closest to the people is obviously the most important. We agree. And um, <laughs> and and, and, and so, agree on that. Uh, so we appreciate your efforts. Yep. <laughs> Aren't going to always agree, but right. but we, we know you you guys. Per, present a extraordinarily valuable service to uh, to the Palmetto State. So a little bit about how this started. I started at the Policy Council in the beginning part of this year, and I relocated from a couple hundred miles north. Uh, I've been in the Carolinas all my life, but more of it in North Carolina. And so when I came here, I was getting my family situation, getting a house leased and doing other things. For about a month, I was in and out of Airbnbs across yeah. sure. um, across the uh, yeah. across Columbia area. Yep. Uh, my family has owned a home in Horry County for a number of years, where we have looked at doing this. We haven't mm-hmm. done it yet. So um, all the articles and the things that as you've um, talked about, <clears throat> you know, certainly raised my interest. In, you know, what, what what is the issue here? Yeah, and I think that um, we tried to take somewhat of a, a different and, and unique approach for a. Um, for a uh, policy, you know, the Policy Council is um, conservative, libertarian, yeah. um, good government, yeah. uh, big, big in favor of transparency. But if you if you were to take the, the, those issues to the extreme, you know, like the extreme libertarian view would be, well, y'all just shouldn't regulate them. Right. You know, yeah. people ought to be able to rent right. their house. They ought to be able to do their thing. Yeah. Um, 
first of all, that's a statement, not a policy. Right. Right. B, I think, you know, it's fascinating about people who want to rent their room out of their entire house out is it um, it is a clash at times. And most of these things are not problematic, but yeah. there are some places. That's right. Um, it is a clash of different people's property rights. And, mm-hmm. you know, we're a big group in property rights. Sure. But we recognize the people who own the home and are attempting to lease it out in, in some sort of contractual uh, way, they have property rights, as do the people in the neighborhood. Right. That's right. So the, the title of our report was Bridging the Divide. How can we find a balanced approach to short-term rental regulation? Um, Bryce, you know, on our staff, uh, took the lead on this, and we were pleasantly surprised that despite some of the controversies in some places in the in the state, you know, by our analysis, some places were were finding the right right way to do this in in a positive thing yeah. others right we did not um you know we weren't so sure so bryce tell us a little bit about you know what our report found so i think the best way to think about our report is not so much just a set of policy recommendations but generally what are some of the best practices when it comes to short-term rental regulation right what are some of the things that municipalities should think about doing what are some of the things that they should avoid what are some mm-hmm. of the pitfalls that they should stay away from mm-hmm. and so that's kind of the the first part of our major of our report here um, and so when it comes to what municipalities should do and how should they should approach regulation right um, number one they should make data collection a big priority when they're thinking about uh, what they need in terms of regulating mm-hmm. short-term rentals so um, Scott I actually think this is how our conversation yeah. Has started yeah it is and in fact, the, the data collection piece has been up until recently, or hopefully in the very near future, has been a big obstacle to cities and towns in um, trying to make sure that they strike the right balance because of their inability to find out where all of these short-term rentals are located within their jurisdictions and we just, you know, just recently learned, and I'm, I've, I've told people I'm a little embarrassed about this, that we didn't know about this earlier, uh, but there was a change in statute that was made with one of those omnibus tax credit bills mm-hmm. on the last day of the session this past this past session. An amendment to that an bill. An amendment that was, to that, yeah, to, a solar, in, to yeah. a solar tax credit bill that actually uh, Representative Lee Hewitt from Georgetown got, got put into that bill that will now require operators or those who collect a state accommodations taxes for more than one short-term rental to tell the Department of Revenue where where that rental is. Give so, the location so for would that, that rental. So would that be somebody who owns two or three homes and rents them all out? Well, I think Dallas primarily, the way I view it, is that w- is going to require Airbnb and VRBO and others, the OTCs, the online travel companies. Oh, I see, because they collect Because mm. they're collecting, right. if they collect it. Now, they may not in some cases, but if they do, or whomever collects and remits that state accommodations tax to DOR on behalf of more than one, will now have to tell DOR the location of those short-term rentals. And and that has been, Bryce, the biggest obstacle to this point right. uh, for cities and towns. And that was what that's how we got our conversation started on on the Twitter. Um, the Twitter? The Twitter. You can just so, say Twitter. <laughs> sorry. So October 1st. Don't with, make me make an age joke. With the Oct- <laughs> with the October 1st accommodations tax collections. That's when that law kicks in. It's already started. So by January, we expect DOR to be able to, upon our request, cities and towns request, to tell us now 
where most of these things are located. And that's a huge step forward. And and exactly how it uh, takes place, uh, we're in agreement that the cities need more information. Yeah. Um, and I, I do want to say that there are, in our view, there are legitimate reasons for there to be regulations and there are non-legitimate reasons sure, to sure, be regulated. Sure. Yeah, and that's fair. So yeah. so so a couple of the things that that we don't believe are legitimate is uh hotels don't like the competition. Yeah. Th- okay, that <laughs> right. that, that is yeah. an an unvalid right. um an unvalid reason. Right. I think and again, we are an organization that fights um uh, tax increases, wants to keep taxes low, sure. but I I mean we we recognize that Hotels should not be treated vastly different from people right. who are who are tour, you know, coming to an area. Right. Um, and so there's a couple of things I think that we think doesn't work. I, I think, and Bryce will talk more about this, but that there have been some places that basically said, "Well, we're going to give some permits. We're going to, um, you know, we're going to cap it at a hundred. A hundred yeah. people can have these permits. Right. And we think that's fundamentally unfair. Right. right? Yeah. I mean, the, the the legitimate reason to regulate. Is public safety um, certainly the quality of the neighborhood, which yeah. I think mm-hmm. is is debatable. And yeah. you know, I, you know there, one thing you have to say about short term rentals is if somebody rents a house for a year, which this yeah. doesn't cover, right. you know, sometimes they don't do much to keep that house up until that renter goes out and they got to do the next yeah, one. Sure. If you're renting it mm-hmm. on a weekly basis, you got to keep it looking pretty good, or you right. get bad reviews and people mm-hmm. don't want to rent it. Right. So um, the market, in, the market in that case is working. The market sometimes. in that case, mm-hmm. I, Most that, of time. I, I think, does work. Yeah. Obviously, parking regulations, traffic. There, yeah. there are some legitimate things, that, but but just stifling competition is not one of them. Bryce. Right. Right. Yeah, and so there are a couple things I think that we probably would strongly uh, discourage municipalities from looking into. Dallas mentioned one of them, which is the idea of setting a cap on the number of short-term rentals Mm -hmm. that can be allowed to operate in a municipality, right? So I think currently uh, Mount Pleasant is one of those municipalities that has a cap currently at like 400 municipalities or 400 short-term rental properties. Um, And Columbia uh, currently has a special committee exploring regulations Mm -hmm. for short-term rentals. Mm -hmm. And they were, at least at the time, considering a rule that would say that um, non-owner-occupied short-term rental properties would not be allowed to rent in residential properties. And we would strongly disagree with that policy because if that were— Quite frankly, I think there may be a constitutional issue with that. I mean, that that would be so overly restrictive. Right. And and I'll just say a couple of things. So, number one, if— that would probably kick out most of the rentals in the city because a lot of them are, are non-owner occupied. And in a place like Columbia, a lot of those rental properties are in, are in residential areas. So that would right. kick out mm-hmm. a lot of your renters. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Dallas, you were to say about the constitutional element? Well, I mean, I just think, you know, telling, you know, a vast group of people they can't do it, period, is 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 it could could run into legal problems. There have been lawsuits, as as you, as you guys know, have filed. Yeah. And, the, and the, the issue I sort of had with Columbia, I mean, Columbia is a huge city. And it is, to me, you know, if you're going to regulate, you need to do it under the least means possible. If you had a whole bunch in an area that was causing a particular problem. And let's think about the people, you know, Columbia at times, like we looked at, you know, unfortunately it wasn't very good for the Gamecocks, but when, you know, Georgia came in, (laughs) you know, the uh, Airbnb and Burbo uh, rentals, 
you know, spiked way up yeah. in prices, but the hotels in downtown Columbia were $500 a night. Right. So there's definitely a market need. Yeah. And, and if you were to just sit there and cap it, you could still end up with all kinds of rentals in one places. And then, you know, some places that have none where, you know, they wouldn't cause a problem. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, the regulation has to be finely tuned to health and safety, quality of life issues. Um, and it just can't, paint too broad of a brush. Well, and I think Columbia, you know, has, has, you know, after their first draft was revealed and they were just, and they discussed it and had input from the short-term rental owners, you know, they're going back and taking a look at it, you know, doing some more study and getting some more input. So, but but you know that Columbia also has a lot of neighborhood associations. Yes, they do. That are very active and very loud. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as I've said, (laughs) you know about that. Just so y'all know, I've done, politics for a long time and and policy. And I always say, if you want to see if you are cut out for hard-nosed politics, be involved in a big church or be on a homeowner's board because they are ruthless. That's exactly right. So. It's a, and and obviously that's the balance that the elected officials (laughs) across the state, that's the, you know, those are the the opposing sides that they're having to mediate between and and find that, find the solution. There's a technically there would be a difference between a neighborhood association and a homeowners. Board. Yes. yes, yeah, yeah. Yes. Homeowners associations are going to have specific uh, covenants that they can mm-hmm. enforce through their agreements whenever people buy homes. Neighborhood association, just like my good friend, our good friend Casey John Wilkinson, who oh, is that's right. the president of his neighborhood association. That's right. He's the president. He's basically the spokesperson for the neighborhood, and they kind of all get together and coalesce. But in terms of having any sort of a legal standing right. To, right. to do something. They like just that. have yeah. loud voices. I, and, yeah. I, I, and I think, um, you know, I mean, one of the sort of constitutional principles we would back up is the right of contract. And I think right. when people buy a house and they're in the neighborhood association, yes. that, I mean, that, and, that that association would have the right to do that, mm-hmm. depending on their bylaws and, and, there are, and reasonableness. And, and we're aware, you know, there are HOAs across the state that do prohibit short-term rentals from uh, – taking place in their in their neighborhood mm-hmm, so sure. uh, but but because they do have that that contractual obligation or that that contractual authority yeah, that nobody has themselves. to buy there nobody That's has right, to right, live there right, right. Exactly. so, so exactly. The, the, the rules should be fair they should be applied evenly sure they shouldn't be overly burdensome no. on renters but i think we should talk about what happens when people do violate local ordinances and, and break the yeah. law and so you know if if a person is determined to continue breaking the law at some point after issues have, or warnings have been issued, uh, they should probably no longer be able to rent that property because the system does have to have a way to ultimately weed out the bad actors yep. so that the other rental owners that are following the rules right. can continue doing so without scrutiny. I think that's important. No, and I appreciate y'all recognizing that as well. I know in your in your report, um, you know, you recommend that we use existing ordinances absolutely uh, in case there are bad renters. And, and exact, you know, put the consequences on those renters to the extent that you can. But those renters, you know, obviously are going to be gone next week. And so if they're from out of state, for instance, you're not going to be able to, even if you issue them a summons, well, they're but, not going to show but, well, but you're, holding, you're holding the homeowner account. Right. No, no, right. but yeah. that's what I'm saying. So even though, you know, the put the immediate rules on the renter, but then then ultimately if the if the rental property owner continues to rent to to bad people and get these violations. I appreciate y'all recognizing that the owner needs to have some skin in that game and be responsible ultimately for uh, things that are taking place at their on their property. And of course it's worth mentioning 
that's the case whether they are renting the house or not. That's right. I mean, exactly. that, that is really not. And that's right. Those ordinances, you know, those ordinances are 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 targeting students that could buy a house or yeah. older people. You know, I mean, code violations. Right. I mean, right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, and I think we, we've seen a couple of municipalities. If the owner can't be present, if they're not physically in the state or they're renting out a yeah. state, mm-hmm. they just have a point of contact yes. that can respond within mm-hmm. X amount of time if it, yeah. if an issue arises. So that's something that cities could think could think yeah. about. The idea is you want someone that's available to respond to an issue when it occurs, so the city's not scrambling to figure out who do they need to right. talk to, who even owns this building, have that information built in. And so cities respond. are adding even that requirement. Price to their rental, their regular rental property, mm-hmm. or you know, enforcement ordinances. Uh, when you know, not just a short-term rental, but somebody who's renting a house for a year, uh, if they're from out of state, then you have the same kinds of issues. So we're, so, we're amending ordinances to get that that local contact when problems are occurring with those renters. So when you hear from your members mm-hmm. and they say we have a problem with this, what is the problem that they are trying to solve most of the time? I think. Dallas, the problem that they are trying to solve are the ones that we've talked about that are brought to them by the residents in the neighborhoods who are saying, we have problems with these short-term rentals in our in our neighborhood. You need to do something about yeah, it. But, but more specifically, what is the problem those people perceive? Well, I think, I think in, we've heard from people, from residents who say the bachelorette parties the bachelor parties, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. midweek parties that get out of hand. You know, they call the police. The police come and, and, and break it up. But this is it's a recurring theme. It's a right. recurring, recurring issue. Party houses. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. There are party houses where, you know, they're, they're not overnighting except for those who can't maybe leave after the party, <laughs> right? right? Yeah. <laughs> but so, so those, are, those are some of the complaints that folks are bringing. Parking, you know, all the quality of life issues that, um, that, are, that come with people – People abusing those short-term rentals that that they're that they're that they're getting during on the weekend. Yeah, I mean, and in other words, um, if you continually had loud, obnoxious parties yeah. in your own neighborhood, yeah. you know, you, you would face pressure from your that's own right. neighbors exactly. and that type of thing. Which so that that's un- understandable. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but Bryce, maybe you should point out some of the cities and towns we think are doing this. Um, pretty well and from our perspective yeah so we we looked at uh specifically uh hilton head and folly beach were two municipalities that we thought were positive examples of how short-term rental regulation can be accomplished so kind of the big thing for both of those municipalities is that neither of them appear to ban short-term rentals from any specific zoning districts uh in the case of hilton head a point of contact has to be given to respond to uh complaints and issues kind of like we talked about a little Mm -hmm. bit earlier hilton head also establishes a hotline for short-term rental complaints which is maybe why we're hearing a lot of calls from from local residents and well and and i think we need to it's pretty good we need to and we make the distinction here between places like hilton head touristy folly myrtle beach places like that whose livelihood obviously is tourism and their authority their ability to regulate them as they need to versus how Maybe Spartanburg or Greenville are going to approach uh, approach regulating short term rentals in their communities. I, I so think so a, would it be? I, I got to follow up on that. So w- would it be the contention that Greenville and Spartanburg need more authority? I, I think what they need to do is all cities and towns. Our position is all cities and towns across the state need to maintain their local authority 
and their lo- their local leaders need to maintain their authority to regulate short-term rentals as their residents and their elected representatives see fit. Um, now, within reason, certainly, uh, you know, uh, y'all's points are, are very well taken, but because of the differences in our cities and towns across the state, uh, we think that it's important that they maintain that flexibility to be able to address them as they need to. Yeah, I because think- because of the distinction, one of the distinctions that I you know I made about the coastal communities that are tourism oriented, they're used mm-hmm. to it and 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 understand how important it is to their economies. Well, Scott, let me give you some advice to give your members. Okay, this is going to be right? good. Well, here's the <laughs> here's the fact. Yeah, the more of them that overreach and try to ban these things altogether, the more likelihood they will lose the right to do that. So no. I, so if they follow our advice, they're going to be fine. I understand. I don't think anybody has proposed to ban them outright from their municipalities, from within their jurisdictions. There's there nobody that has proposed to do that. So when Representative Hewitt introduced his bill, you know, we saw it and said, you know, we're, we can't think of anybody who's who's seeking to ban them entirely from their jurisdiction. I, but certainly, they want to to regulate them and um, and and meet the demands of their residents uh, when it comes to regulating them in particular parts of the city that are more appropriate than others, perhaps. Yeah, and and again, another reason that is not valid to regulate them is people just saying. Well, I don't like them. I don't want them. Right. No. I mean, that's not a valid reason. No, no, no. That's yeah, right. That's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, I think we should to circle, actually circle back to what we were talking about. It, it is important to recognize that, you know, cities have different markets and demographics and type of visitors that 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 come to them. So not all cities is what I, I guess I'm saying require the same level of regulation. That's right. right. If you think about a town like yep. Columbia, it's a government town. That's it's right. a university it's town. town. You have yeah. people traveling for business. You have people traveling for graduations, mm-hmm. game day sometimes. Fort Jackson. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We but have it's, a lot of it's not a major vacation destination. It's no. not where you would really expect to see a lot of party houses. That's not to say that it doesn't happen, right. but that's not the typical kind of visitor that you're going to get. Uh, and a lot of cities in South Carolina are probably similar in that way. And ironically, we found that some of the highest trafficked vacation destinations seem to have some of the least regulations. No, I, I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. I think you're exactly right. I mean, looking at uh, Folly Beach's ordinance, for instance, as you said, it, short-term rentals are allowed in all of their zoning districts, commercial, mm-hmm. uh, multifamily, single-family. Um, and so didn't the residents come forth with a proposition or something yeah, for that? Yeah, did you guys see that today? Um the resident there, they they're under state statute, uh, Title Five, Chapter Seventeen. Residents can propose ordinances by way of a petition signed by fifteen percent or more of the resident electors. And so it was in a in the it was in a, one of the TV stations today, Mr. Producer, right, where the residents of Folly Beach have presented a petition to the Folly Beach Town Council to cap the number of STRs that would be allowed on the island. And so if the council does not pass an ordinance to that effect under statute, they have to put that on the ballot and then allow the residents to vote right. up or down on on whether or not that should take place. So, and, of course, the, the, in theory, the determination of whether that ordinance is proper and constitutional and legal under the statute would be made afterwards. Precisely. Right. Yep. Exactly. So it's that's the that is an out. If if a council doesn't make its residents happy 
on whatever matter, um, then the residents have that recourse through statute, which has been used before, most recently in 2015. Mm-hmm. 2015. Not, not a lot. It was in 2015 when the city of Greenville proposed to go from partisan elections to nonpartisan, and there was a huge uproar from residents, and they presented the petition to the Greenville City Council, and Greenville City Council voluntarily reversed their ordinance to go to nonpartisan elections. So uh, they weren't forced to, well, they were essentially forced to by the residents because presumably the residents would have voted to overturn Mm -hmm. that that, that ordinance. Is that a, um, I'm going to put you on the spot here, Is is that a worthwhile provision in the law? That is a great question. If you're a resident, if if you're a resident, then I would probably say yes, you would agree that it is. From a, a city council's perspective, from our mayors and council members, I don't know how I would answer that question. Depends yeah, on which side of the issue would, you're yeah, on, Dallas. That's right. Well, know? I mean, in, unless you sort of have a belief that, you know, we tend to have a representative democracy right. and that's why we have elections. Well, that's and, what we have. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. And, well, but I mean, a you know, going around a council and putting something on a ballot would be more of a direct democracy. Right, exactly, uh, exactly. And, and, and I mean, uh, anyway. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah. It's going to be really So I think they have, statute requires that the um, that the council, the Folly Council, put that on the ballot within 60 days of receiving the petition. I think I'd have to go look at the. look at the. But not, they don't have to have a special election. Uh, yeah, they probably will. Yeah, they'll have to schedule a special election because of the timing that's mandated in the in the law. Yeah, well, that's not good. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, they they should they should put these things on the next regularly scheduled right. election. Right, so and Follies. I don't know when Follies' regular so, municipal election yeah. is, but it could be. You know, we, we have municipal elections every month of the year in South yeah. Carolina, so a, a city somewhere is holding it. It's not like in North Carolina where everybody has the same election day. Uh, so somewhat, but yeah, yeah that's yeah, interesting. Yeah. So Bryce, Bryce let's go back. Going. I'm go sorry. Back, yeah. <laughs> we got off on a tangent there. Bryce, let's go back to your overall recommendation. So yeah. if you were to go, if, if city of Columbia said, Bryce, would you come to, you know, our working group that we're working on short-term rentals and tell us exact, you know, tell us the best practices for what we should follow. What, what kind of advice would you give to them based on your research? Yeah. So it's what we talked about a little bit earlier. It's make sure you have information regarding short-term rental owners, right? Mm -hmm. If a problem happens and you need to respond, you need to make sure who that owner is, make sure there's a point of contact, what the property looks like, make sure you can find it, all that information. Bryce, do you have a recommendation for how a city, what, what, how a city could go about getting that, let's say DOR, Mm-hmm. Let's say DOR. Let's just say that the law never changed, and DOR is not going to collect that location information, right? So, what your recommendation is is leaning on the property owner to voluntarily come forward and say, "Hey, I'm running this business," right? Um, in, in a sense, I think that the, so. The report actually proposes that there just be a simple free sure. uh, vol, uh, registration, rather that mm-hmm. that property owners have to go through before they can lawfully rent their their and residence. Another way to do it would be um, would be uh, I don't know what I'm going to pick a number here. Let's say that the fine in the city of Columbia for excessive noise or excessive trash is fifty dollars. Yep. Okay, um, if you try to comply with the law and you file for registration so people know you're there, sure. you should, you know, your fine should be lower than 
you know, than somebody who chooses yeah. not not to file. I mean, it ought to be in their economic best interest to file with the city. Don't disagree. Okay. What what would y'all recommend the city do in the event that that person doesn't voluntarily register with the city? I, I think if they this you know, Bryce will have to answer for him. I, I I think that if they did not register, but were also not causing problems, uh-huh. then th- then I think they're okay. I think th- th- there needs to be a reward system and a benefit to them registering right. that will make them want to do it. Mm-hmm. Not uh, I, I would I would be against sort of blanket punishment for somebody, you know. You know, punishment yeah. for just not registering because you're supposed to register. Yeah, that so, makes sense. Yeah. yeah, well, of course, and that's where the existing ordinances come into play, too. Uh, just about every city, most most cities and towns across the state have a business license ordinance, a business license requirement. So they would be, they would, if they're found operating their business without the business license, then there's, there's, there's where the business license ordinance would come into play. Uh, but I guess, I'm, I guess I was, you know, how would y'all... Because I think I mentioned when we were tweeting back and forth, Bryce, uh, about you know some cities have had to spend some uh, some good money on the, this uh, software, the screen scraping software that finds these locations. They won't have to re- lean on it as much now that DOR is collecting this information. Hopefully, but aside for if a if a jurisdiction didn't have the resources, although I suppose your registration fee could cover the the cost of software, if they didn't have these sophisticated means to find the locations, I just wondered if y'all had contemplated how how they could go about or should go about finding these these businesses that are operating outside of outside of the other businesses in the state and in the in the, uh, in the city. Yeah, so I, I think if we're speaking honestly, you will always have an issue with compliance. Absolutely, not just for this law or regulation, right. but for yeah, any for law, every, any kind so, of rental. I think we should assume that most renters want to do the right thing. And if they know that there's a registration registration requirement, they will follow through with it. That's fair. At the same time, if you um, have people that don't register, but you don't hear anything about them, I suppose they're not breaking the rules and not causing you any problems because you're not hearing from them. So that may, you know, that may not be a perfect answer, but I think that that is kind of one way to accept the reality of the situation. I I I think the best answer we can give you is, um, there should there should be an incentive, um, uh, you know, and there's some natural incentives too, right? If you're renting your house and you know or Airbnb and, and you are registered with the city, um, and the city is made aware there's an issue there, you know that that renter could be a bad renter tearing up your house and right. the police are getting to your house. Yep. like that would be in your economic interest. Yep, don't disagree. You know. Um, I, I I would imagine that rental facilities have a slightly higher fire risk. I mean, right. you know, I yeah. mean, th- yeah. there would be advantages to yeah. that. I, I think the overall message is here is, um, as we're all here together, we find a lot to agree on. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And Airbnbs and short-term rentals uh, have been an important source of income for widows and young people. Mm-hmm. It has provided people uh, an affordable way to come and enjoy the, the aquariums on the coast and the museums here. Um, and as long as you look for something that is reasonable sure, and um, you can have a thriving business, people can submit to some reasonable regulation. Um, in, in the very few places um, that, that the citizens just don't like this, 
There's a lot of things I don't like in life. Right. I, <laughs> right. I do not like right. the designated hitter in Major League Baseball. God. But that, but, but, but I don't get to choose that. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and, and j- just to follow up on that, I mean, there are natural uh, incentives and disincentives that exist within Airbnb and in Verbo, right? Like, not only do renters have a rating, but if any of y'all have ever stayed at, a, at an Airbnb, you have a guest rating too. Right. And the it's host. Like Uber. Right. It right. Yeah. It's exactly a, like Uber. A and, driver and, and a rider rating. Yeah. And so the, the hosts theoretically can see that and can determine whether or not they want to rent to you based on that information. And so, uh, ostensibly, if you. Uh, violate not just the the local laws, right, mm-hmm. but Airbnb's policy so many times, you're going to lose access yeah. to your account right. into that service. That right. positive reinforcement. That's right. Just do good. Yeah. yeah, and 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 while the you know we've had calls at our you know another reason we did this portal, we've had calls. You know, somebody come, they're telling me I can't do this, and right. you know we we don't want to see that either. Right. Right. Have we covered everything? I mean, I think we have. This has been great, y'all. We should do a part two. Yeah, or well, a part three, or a part four, or something. When, we should keep when, going. When, when we, I'm sure there'll be a lot of issues that come up. Well, yeah, I was going to say, what else are y'all working on right now that uh, that we could contribute to? Got um, anything? Well, we're always talking about tax reform. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. As you know, um, I, I think there are some there's some issues that's presented itself here in Columbia on. Um, commercial property taxes and yep. how mm-hmm. we deal with the schools, and I, I think yep. we're going to be digging in trying to find you know some answers to that one that doesn't necessarily increase increase the tax burden on individual homeowners but one that doesn't make uh, well let's figure out a way to broaden the base and, and lower, lower the, the tax mm-hmm. i agree with that how about that yeah. that's an interesting I mean, that, concept that, that, how about that, that, that that's amazing that, isn't that's, it that's, that's, someone write wow. that down that, <laughs> yeah yeah that, that is, we've that got is, a jedi in the room that is the um <laughs> Uh, that is the the classic way to reform the tax code. And let's um, let's start by uh, shining a flashlight on Act 388 and uh, what we can do to to mitigate some of the disaster that that thing has created over the years. So, uh, we I think we would agree on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah absolutely. It's, it's it, it, the, the problem is, um, you know, if you look at um, cities or states that get in trouble with their yep. pension plans yep. and things like that. Yep. It sounds like whatever they're doing sounds like a real good idea at the time, <laughs> yeah. and then somebody else got to clean up the mess later. That's that's um, right. You know, we we you know the goal of the policy council is to see South Carolina as the number one place in the country to start and run a business, to raise a family, to work, play, and retire. And uh, we need good, strong institutions um, uh, like like yours, like the Municipal Association, and uh, we, we, we can solve these problems. And I know you guys, and I, I, I commend you for, you know, doing work on a civility project. Yep. Um, y- you know, it, 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 you know, we need to be good to these elected officials, even when we disagree with them. You know, it's a, it's a somewhat thankless job to go be on, on the city council and deal with zoning regulations. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing nothing worse than being on a school board. I yeah, mean, I, you know, I don't right know now, why, for sure. I don't know why anybody wanted to do that. Right. Um, and, and, uh, you know, when we put our heads together, we can, we, we, you know, we can find a reasonable accommodation for people that's going to make 80% of people happy and considering we're in a country that 80% of people can't agree on what color the sky is. That's about as best we're going to do. Well said. Well said. Thanks Dallas and Bryce for coming in. And we look forward to many more podcasts with y'all discussing the, discussing the issues don't forget, you can find the City Quick Connect podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, 
Amazon Music, Audible, SoundCloud, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to read the entire report. Go to scpolicycouncil.org, scpolicycouncil.org. Follow us on Twitter at scpolicycouncil. Best sign-off ever. Great plugs. Thanks, everybody. The City Quick Connect podcast is one of several ways the Municipal Association keeps you informed of the opportunities and issues impacting South Carolina cities and towns. Learn more at www.masc.sc and stay up to date with the association's latest happenings on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.